0: We've been uh, reading through Ephesians and talking about what we've seen there. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit and go back to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Um, So you know this, of course, is Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the day that we uh, celebrate and remember the sacrifice that Christ made. How he died on the cross, how he was buried, how he rose again. Um, And that's a great story, and I think some people think it's kind of like the Easter Bunny type of a story. Doesn't it sound that good, that the Easter Bunny comes and gives us candy and Jesus comes and gives us life, you know? And so today I kind of just want to make you uh, consider for a moment why Jesus needed to do that. Ephesians chapter 2, if you have there, turn, uh, ask for you. You were dead. Now, I look around and I don't see people dead. Do you? There's people alive all over the place. Matter of fact, some of them are living pretty large. But in Ephesians, it says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Have you thought about that? Being dead in your transgressions and sins? I know this is. This is old news for most of us here this morning, but I just kind of wanted to peel it back a little bit and say, why were you dead in your sins and transgressions? Why? Because those things, those sins and transgressions, they don't bring life. Those things living that way does not bring life. that's interesting. It's kind of like an energy drink. You know, the, the, the monster, the five-hour energy, the, those things. Somebody who's tired and sluggish drinks those things to get a boost. Do you get a boost? Yes. What happens next? You crash. And that made me think, you know, that's just the way sins and transgressions are. Do you get a boost? Yeah, maybe. And then what? You crash because there's no life. Do you know what you need to have to have energy? Sleep and food. Right? In our bodies, that's how we get real energy, right? If you're tired and lethargic, do you know what you need? Rest and fuel. (laughs) I'm not making this up. You all know this, right? Now, an energy drink is a really good alternative, right? Said no one ever who cared about their health. We can take them and we can drink them and it's, you know, boom, man, you'll be awake some. I, me and caffeine, we're tight. <laughs> I like caffeine, but it, it doesn't wake me up. If I drink too much coffee, I don't drink energy drinks, God forbid, I do coffee, the real thing. <clears throat> If I drink too much coffee, it doesn't keep me awake, it makes me shake, I get jittery. So then I can go right to sleep and jitter all night long, but it's all from the caffeine. There's no life in that, right? And that's what I'm saying, and that's the point here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins because your transgressions and sins do not give life, they give death. There is no life in that. It appears to be life. It sounds like life. It's marketed as life. It's presented as life, but it's not life. Just like an energy drink is presented as being something that will give you life, but it doesn't. And so, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now I know, and you've heard it, it's, it's everywhere that... If anything happened, it was God's will. Haven't you heard that? And you know where you hear that most? The church. Which is ridiculous. All kinds of things happen every day that are not God's will. Right? You know this, right? Is God in control? Yes. And one of the ways that he's in control is he said, I'm going to give you free choice. We are not puppets on strings. I have the ability to make meaningful decisions, and that means I have the ability to sin. And if I sin, you are under the consequences of not God's will. So, why do we sin? Why are there transgressions and sins? Because we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So there is something in this world and in the ruler of the kingdom of the air that is contrary to what God wants. Everything that happens to you is not God's will. That cute little two-year-old that got cancer and died, not God's will. What kind of God do you think he would be to kill a two-year-old with cancer? That's ridiculous, right? We know this. And it also has an effect on us and on me. Because back then, we used to live, right? Used to live according to the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, if there is any situation where there's a puppet on a string and things are being controlled, it's not God and his people. It's the other side. Those who follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, they have a spirit who is at work in them making them be disobedient. Have you ever seen somebody that's manipulated? And they do silly things because someone manipulated them to do it. I used to have a friend called Big Jim And and we used to pick up hay together. And you could manipulate Big Jim really easy to say, oh, there's no way you could throw that bale that high. And he would die trying the rest of the field to throw the bale that high. Okay, we manipulated him to get him to do something that he, he wouldn't have done, right? Now, when you see someone like that, someone in that position, don't you have some empathy? Some sympathy for them? They're being used, they're being lied to, they're being deceived. So I know it's nice to sit up here on my ivory tower and to look down on everybody else who is dead in their transgressions and sins because they're following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom there. And the Spirit is at work in them. And it's, it's nice and fun for me to look down on someone else, right? But the truth is there's no way I can do that can't look down on somebody who's being used who's being manipulated, who's been lied to a lot of these things you've heard before but you know the trouble with being deceived the person that's deceived doesn't know they're deceived okay so here me, now I was talking about them but this verse is about me, see it says as for you You were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of error, the spirit who is not at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, like the rest who were by nature deserving of wrath. Satan has a really good game he plays it's the one of telling you that you go to hell because you did the wrong thing. And if you go to hell because you did the wrong thing, then he can convince you that if you would do the right thing, you'd go to heaven. Cool, huh? So I did the wrong thing, so now I'm going to do the right thing. Maybe I need to do the right thing twice to make up for the wrong thing I did. But, but I can kind of balance this thing out, because I did wrong and now I'll do right, and it's all going to work out. Except that's not what the Bible teaches. You don't go to hell because of what you did go to hell because of who you are. See what it says right here? We were by nature deserving of wrath. By nature. See, I, I grew up believing that if I told a lie that made me a liar. The Bible teaches exactly the opposite. I'm a liar and therefore I lie. Now it doesn't use that it says the word Sinner. I'm a sinner therefore I sin see how it happens it's not because I did something bad that now I go to hell because my nature was bad by the creation was born into that an object uh, a nature I had a nature that was deserving of wrath why does God hold this against us why? Why, by nature, do we deserve wrath? Well, it's kind of like this. God, our great loving Father, created us. In His image, He created us. And He created us and said, here, follow me. And we, Adam and Eve were first, but we said, man, nah, you know, God, I think I got this. Now, what's a higher form of disrespect than to take someone who created you and gave you everything you had, and then you don't want to follow that person who created you, you want to do it you own? Right? So, two year olds are cute. And it's a good thing they're cute. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd kill them. Because <laughs> what does a two year old say? Mine! Right? And you can see the horns. The tail, it's all in there, right? And a two-year-old. And I'm glad they're cute, because otherwise we'd put them out. We'd be done with them, because we don't let anybody else treat us like that, right? Except little babies get to. And they grow up and they dress it up and make it look nice. And they turn it into somebody like me, who's pretty and handsome, and, and, and convincing you to do what I want, and to give me something, instead of saying mine and taking it from it. But inside, nothing changed, did it? Mine. This is mine, and I'm going to get me some. Right? Isn't that the nature that deserves wrath? Because I hang on to things and claim them for my own. And it's got to be my way or the highway. Do it the way I want it done. There's all kinds of sayings like this, right? Mama ain't happy. Nobody's happy. Because mama's got to have her way. Daddy ain't happy. Nobody's happy either. Right? If you ain't happy, everybody around you is scurrying and trying to do what they can to get that fixed. Because they don't want to be around you when you're not happy. Why? Because you've got to have it your own way. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Our flesh wanted something. And we took it. Just like the two-year-old. The two-year-old just doesn't hide it. Right? The two-year-old doesn't make any excuses for it. The two-year-old just grabs it and says, It's mine. Cravings of the flesh, falling in its desires and thoughts. And here's my favorite word in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But. I love that word. Because everything in verse 1 through 3 says that I'm dead in my transgressions, which I used to live and I satisfy my own way and I did things that I should have done that were against God's way and His will. And just like everybody else, I was deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. But because of His great love for us, Those of you who are parents, you know what it's like to love your kids. Even that screaming two-year-old, right? You love that one too, and, and you say it'll be okay and they'll get through that. We're, we're in this together. And, and then God, because of His great love. See why Satan wants to convince everyone that everything's God's will? Because if everything that happens to you is God's will, God is a pretty big jerk. Right? And if Satan can convince you that God is a jerk. Game on for him. But because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy. Now we just read. In verse 3 that like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. Do you ever want what you have coming to you? Not if you know enough. Because if you know enough to know what you have coming to you, you don't want that. I'll take something else. We call it grace. Unmerited favor. When God gives me something good when what I deserve because of my nature, it was wrath. But God said, no, I got this. I know what needs to be done. Let me help make this right. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. What were we before? Before we were made alive, what were we? Dead. We were dead. Now the, the really interesting thing to me is is to talk to Christians about what it meant to used to be dead and now be alive. And for a lot of Christians, myself included for many years, there wasn't a lot of difference between being dead and being alive. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know that it mattered. You know what I thought I got really? I thought Jesus really gave me the, the get out of hell free card. And, and I still was bound to live by my flesh and, and its desires and I was still by nature nodding to wrath but I had the get out of hell free card that I was going to be able to play on judgment day. I would stand before God and he would say, well, you've done this and you've done this and you've done this and this. (laughs) We know where you're going. And then at the last moment I would pull my card out and say, no, see, I'm Jesus's and I get a pass. Satan is so good at telling us lies. I have been made alive with Christ. I am no longer dead in my sins. That was then. This is now. The good news about Jesus is you have been made alive. Now, just because you don't know what that means, or maybe have an experience, doesn't mean it's not real and true. And what I want to do is try to say, "Hey, come check this out. Way do you get a load of what it means to be alive in Christ? You know that sin that." fleshly desire that you've been craving your whole life and you cannot overcome? You know that thing? See, Jesus came so that you could have life and freedom from that. Not that you would be the perpetual screw-up that Jesus gives you a pass. That's not life. Right? If you are still living like the verses 1 through 3... Dead in your transgressions and sins because you're following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and you're by nature an object of wrath because you're given into your fleshly desires and you're disobedient. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, Okay, it's good. That's not the gospel. Is it good? Of course it's good. But not so you can continue that way. The gospel is that you can have life. The joy of the church is the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And I have been made alive with him. I've been made alive with Christ, even when I was dead in my transgressions. Now, many people, and again I keep bringing Satan up because we have to know the tactics of the enemy to overcome them. The tactic of the enemy is to say... (laughs) I know what Jesus did. And it's going to be a wonderful thing for you. Once you get yourself straightened up a little bit. And kind of get things figured out. And turn this ship around. Then Jesus will come in and kick it into overdrive. No. No. While you were dead in your transgressions. Dead in your transgressions. Dead in your transgressions. While you were in that state. That's when Christ made you alive. He did it. You didn't do it. He did it. It is by grace you have been saved. Unmerited favor. And God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now that is the gospel good news. I was dead, but God came and made me alive in Jesus Christ. Now, I would be a liar if I stood up here this morning and told you that I was fully alive and I never sinned anymore. I would be a liar. That's not true. But you know where I am? I'm more alive today than I was yesterday. I've been being made alive, and and I'm fully alive. Okay, that's done. But you know, there's many of these concepts in the Bible that have a, a past and a present and a future thing. Like my sins were forgiven, and my sins are being forgiven, and they all will be forgiven. Right. So it, it's a it's a there's a many stages of this stuff, and all of it's true. I have been saved. And I am being saved. And I will be saved. Right? You get that. That's the way this works. So I have been made alive with Christ. And day by day by day I'm being made alive in Christ. And one day I will be fully alive in Christ. Now, see I know that's that's hard for us to think outside of that. Then, now, and in the future. Because everything we know is in that state. Now, when God takes time away again. We won't have any of that kind of stuff. And the Bible uses that kind of language all the time. Because you know when my sins were forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross. That's when my sins were forgiven. And I'm old but I'm not that old. That was before I committed any sin. That he forgave me. See and so it's time. And trying to put time in all these things. Messes us up. But I want you to know that I have been made alive with Christ. I am alive in Christ. And I am being made alive day by day. And someday it will be completely dead. So here I am made alive in Christ. But there's this process going on. And that's where we are now. Because every one of us is someplace in that process. Right? So either you are still dead in your transgressions and sins. Or you have been made alive with God in Christ. It's the only two states you can be in. Either dead in your sins or made alive with Christ. Now my assumption is the vast, vast majority of you here this morning have been made alive with Christ. That's why you're here, to celebrate his resurrection. That's a wonderful thing. But if you're here this morning and you have not been made alive with Christ, what are you waiting for? Come on. Let me show you what it's like to follow Jesus. You're not alone in this. And that's the point of all of this you're not alone in this we're here together this morning see because here's the facts God created me in his image and I was born to a pair of wonderful parents into a wonderful world with a wonderful life and I screwed my life up I made choices that hurt me and hurt those around me I told God I didn't need him I could do it on my own So did you. Right? Isn't that what you did too? We made a mess of things. And I would like to say. That I made a mess of things. Back in 1970 something. And I can say that. But I can also say I did it in 80 something. And in 90 something. And in aught something. And now I'm the teen something. I can say I did that. I've made a mess of things. And I have the ability to do that again. This afternoon or tomorrow. Don't you? I don't want to. I don't want to gratify the sinful natures of my flesh. I don't want to live according to the ways of the world. But I do at times. And Satan, our enemy, loves to come at that moment and say, see, told you. Told you. You can't do this. You're disqualified. And what I want you to know this morning is you're not disqualified. No matter what you did this morning or yesterday or the day before, no matter how bad you think that thing you just did was, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, point. and I heard a A preacher in Colorado used these words and I'm stealing them from you. Me too. Me too. That's the kind of church we need to be. Right? Me too. When somebody comes to you and says you know, I've been trying to follow Jesus and I blew it. I just blew it completely. I I knew it was wrong going in and I, I don't know why. I just couldn't help myself and I did it. And you know what your answer needs to be to that person? Me too. Me too. I did that too. Come on. We can do it together. I know exactly what you're going through. Now, I don't know exactly what you're going through. Right? There's lots of things that you've experienced that I have not. So I don't want to mean to say that I just, I understand. (laughs) Because I don't always understand. But you would be surprised at how much I do understand. You know? And I'll bet there's somebody else here that is a lot more like you than you would think. This church in, in Colorado, they're, they're one of those big mega churches. And so they, uh, they did a little survey. They gave everybody a piece of paper. And they asked questions like, have you ever been sexually molested? Have you ever sexually molested someone else? Have you... Have you ever had drug addiction or alcohol addiction? Have you cheated on your spouse? Have you abused your child? They went through this long list of just these really terrible things, right? And you know what they found? So then they collected all those cards up and they passed them back out. So now everybody had a card that wasn't their own, but they had a card. And then he asked the questions and said, if your card says yes, stand up. You would not believe who stood up, how many stood up, because of those things that happened then. And do you think we're different than that? I don't want to do it here. We'd all be looking around saying, uh-huh, I knew that. <laughs> right? I could tell that would happen. We're too small for that, but I want you to know. But it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. Do you know there are people here this morning who have been sexually abused? You know that? You know, there might even be somebody here who has sexually abused someone else. You know that. You know, there are people here who are addicted to things really bad things like drug and alcohol and coffee and brownies. (laughs) You know, there are people who are addicted. Do you know there are people here who have sexual sins? You know that. They've cheated on, they've been cheated on. They've got some kind of porn addiction or they've got some weird kind of fantasy thing about what sex is supposed to be like in their head. Do you know that? That these people, you, are like that? You know how I know that? Because we're all like that. And Satan, and again, I don't mean to make this be about him, but he's the one that's telling the lies so we have to shine the light to expose the lie. Here's the lie. You're the only one. If they found out what you did, they'd kick you out of here so fast it'd make your head spin. That's what Satan wants you to believe. And you know what I want to say? No, we won't. You know what we'll do instead? Me too. Me too. In James it tells us to confess our sins to one another. Now I always thought that meant for somebody else to do it some other time It surely couldn't apply to me. But one day I read that verse and was convinced that I should do that verse so I confessed some sins to somebody. Now, I got to tell you, going into that confession to this person, actually it was a group, I was nervous as could be. I thought, this will probably be it. You know what they said? That's it? <coughs> That's all you got? Because I do that too. Now, see, I'm not saying this so that we can say, oh, well, we all have license to sin however we want to. That's not the point at all. The point is that when you do sin, you're not alone. You're not the only one. Me too. I've made a mess of my life back then, and frankly, I might this afternoon. Do I want to? No, I don't want to. But I might. And when I do, I'm going to need to come and talk to somebody about it and get some help from a brother or a sister. And what I need to hear is, we got you. We got you. So I understand exactly what it's like to, to know that I have a loving Heavenly Father but to turn my back on that and do my own thing. That I know full well what it's like. So I can help. And, and so can everybody else in the room. Me too. And in the meantime, we got you. Now see, I have a dog. and He's a wonderful dog me, uh, But to the rest of the world, he's kind of a chucklehead. And he got out the other day and ran off. And I don't know what he did or what kind of, of uh, turmoil he created. But wherever he was at, whatever turmoil he was creating, whoever was there did not appreciate it. And they shot him. Yeah. So now his leg is broken. And, and it's just flopping around. Well, did he deserve it? I'm sure he deserved it. I'm sure. He's a blue healer. If something will run in front of him, he will chase it. That's his nature, right? So if it's cows, he'll chase cows till they get tired. Chickens? He puts them in the coop and then busts them out so he can put them in the coop again. He's in heaven putting chickens away. Kids? He'll get kids in the car. He loves to round up things. So I can just imagine that somebody was pretty tired of this dog trying to herd their stuff that didn't need to be herded, and they shot him. And now he's got a cast on his leg. And you know, that dumb dog, I can't believe you did. What were you thinking, Blue? You knew better than to run off and do that? See, it's easy to scold your dog, right? And it's just as effective as scolding someone else, I might add. He just looks at me and wags his tail. (laughs) But you know where I'm at with him. Me too, Blue. I've irritated lots of people. <laughs> Thankfully, it's it's a bigger crime to shoot me than it was to shoot him. I haven't done it. <laughs> but you know what I say to Blue right now? We got you. He goes up and down my office, you know, with three legs and a cast sticking out, <laughs> and and I got to help him a little bit. We got you. But you know what's, gonna, what's supposed to happen is, with that cast on his leg, the bones are going to calcify and turn back into a bone. And then in a few weeks, they'll take the cast off and he'll be able to walk on his leg again. And in the meantime, he needs a little extra care. Okay? You, when you fall into the pit, and, you, and through, unforge- through uh, unfaithfulness and disbelief, you choose to do your own thing <laughs> instead of following God you're going to have some consequences of that sin. Like maybe a cast on your leg. And when you got this cast on your leg, you're going to need people around you to help hold you up and carry you through a rough time. And that's what we're here for. Me too, and we got you. Right? We got you. We'll help you. It's going to take a while to recover from that thing that just happened. I understand Oh, I wish it was as simple as a shattered bone from a bullet. That's easy, right? But what you have is a broken heart. That Jesus has to come and heal so you can be set free from your captivity. And while that's going on, we got you. We got you. We're not going to make fun of you and ridicule you and wag our finger at you. Of course you knew better. Of course. It's not because we didn't know, is it? Because we chose to not do it. So we all get that. And if you think that somehow pointing out the obvious to somebody is going to change their behavior, but let me ask you. When you act in unbelief and choose to do your own thing, does it help you to have somebody come and thump you in the chest and tell you what a loser you are? Does that help you? Because I'm thinking if that helps you, maybe that will help other people. But I can confess that never, ever helps me. That's not helpful. Right? <laughs> hey, loser, straighten up and follow God. Oh, duh, that's what the problem is. I'm glad you told me. I didn't know that. doesn't help. Here's what does help. We got you. Come on. It'll be all right. We'll get through this. Jesus will come. He'll do the restoration, the redemption that needs to be done. He'll do that. And we'll help. I'll help hold you up until you get on both feet again. Right? Isn't that why we're here this morning? Isn't that why we are a body of believers? Because me too, and we got you. Me too, and we got you. You see, if this was all done because of something I did, then I could look down my nose at you and say, well, I did it. Surely you could do it. But in verse 8 of chapter 2, it says... For it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. If I could somehow say that I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And somehow found acceptance to God because of my efforts. Then I could look at you and say, you need to do the same thing. You need to buck up. But when I know that the reason I've been saved is because of grace. Through faith. Oh, well there. It's my faith that did it. But do you see what it says? That the faith isn't even from me. The faith was a gift of God. Even that was from God. And it's not by works. I'm not saved by grace. I mean saved by works. And I don't maintain holiness by works either. It's by grace. I'm God's handiwork. God does some pretty incredible handiwork. See, it's really hard to say about myself. But it's real easy to say about you when I look at you. Nicely done, God. God. That's some good work he did right there. See, that's what this is saying. I am God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. God is a master craftsman. He made you, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. See, we're here now, fully alive in Christ, to do good things. Not so that we can be saved from our good works. We do good works because the world needs it. Because how do you overcome evil with good? And the world is full of evil, and we need to do good to overcome the evil. And God prepared that in advance for us too. Whole we'll thing. So, um, where are you this morning? Still dead in your sins? Still knowing that you're on your own, that you are a victim of your flesh, of Satan in this world, being tossed to and fro, held captive, a sinner, a slave to sin. Is that where you are this morning? Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb is empty so that he could be alive, so that God could make you alive. To set you free from that body of sin. That's why Jesus did what he did. And if you are still there. Captive to sin. Jesus is the key. To set you free. To make you alive. But but maybe you are alive in Christ. And are just wallowing. Right in the same pit. That he saved you from. He loves you. There's a way out of that. He wants to make you fully alive. And he wants us to help you do that. And so, believe me, I get in the pit myself many days. Me too. And let me help you out of the pit. Now, have you ever tried to pull somebody out of the pit? You know what you kind of have to be to be able to pull somebody out of the pit? You kind of got to be out of the pit right <laughs> so you who are not in the pit can you help a brother out give him a hand to pull him up out of the pit we got you come on it's okay we got you we're in this together Jesus is here for us all <clears throat> wherever you're at in that story Jesus is there to lead you to be with you so if we take this time and we start preparing our hearts for communion remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made we know that it's his broken body and shed blood that was the work that was required to make me be alive to make you be alive if you've not experienced that life it's there for you and Jesus is the invitation saying, come and see. Come on, let me show you what it's like to have life. I'll show you. And that's our invitation too. Come along, we'll show you. Follow me like I follow Christ. I'll show you how. I got you. Um. we so you. First, we thank you for this great gift of Jesus and what it means to us. We, we've been trying to find the boundaries and the borders of what it means to know the depth and height and width and length of Christ's love. And what we've discovered, God, we can't find the edges. It's overall. We're overwhelmed by that love. And we come to you now this morning. Uh, Jesus, we need you. I need you, Jesus. I need to come to you and remain in you. Follow you. So I thank you for your great love and mercy, the grace that you have shown me that I'm forgiven, that I've been set free. And I would ask, I'd throw open the door to my heart and invite you in, Jesus, that you would come and heal my broken heart and set me free. I don't always know what that looks like and where that's going, but what I know is I can trust you. So I do trust you and I give myself to you to follow you. glorify yourself through me, through us. And Jesus, give us your heart for people that we would love as you love. That we would offer a handshake, a firm grip to someone who is struggling to let them know that they are not alone. And that you understand full well and we understand in part. We got it. We need to help hold each other up as we navigate this dangerous world that we live in. Uh, Holy Spirit, fill us. Reveal your mysteries to us and let us know the path that we should follow. Uh, We love you, God. We thank you for the blessings you give us for the life you've shown us and that you've made us fully alive. May we live in that to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name yeah